Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bonus Podcast. This is the Know Your Gear Bonus Podcast. Something I've been wanting to do. I hope you guys enjoy this and because uh, I'd like to do this. I think this would be great. What is this? Well, normally the normal podcast is, of course, just the live show where uh, viewers ask questions in the gear community about everything from the industry to, you know, guitar products, you know, things like that. And, um, but, <laughs> but, um, I receive so many emails each month, uh, questions and, uh, to the point where, you know, there's, I can't put a dent in them, dent in them. And I thought, well, what if I just, when I'm re- reading these emails and responding and typing them, why don't I just do this podcast, do it here. So I'm going to do that today. That's what we're going to do. So hopefully we all like this and uh, it'd be great. Well, I'd like to point out to you, I'm doing this uh, first time, I'm doing this is Saturday morning. I'm in my office. I have a beautiful view uh, in my room. If you guys see the videos, um, that's one thing I like about my office. It's very small, but the window uh, I get to look out and I just look at these green trees and it's just a, a beautiful view and I have a cup of coffee. So let's get started. And so I'm telling you about the coffee because I'm going to try not to uh, uh, drink in front of the microphone, but you understand that I'm going to take sips from time to time. Like right now. So my voice does not go, uh, doesn't dry out. So this came from, this email came from Chris and he said, Hey Phil, I just bought the SC20H, uh, which is the Marshall JCM800 mini head, if you will. After watching your review, that's uh, nice to hear. You know, it's nice to hear somebody was inspired by something. It says, I love the sound, but frankly, it's just too loud to practice at a reasonable volume. Yeah, Chris, uh, I agree. I did not end up keeping that head and that was my problem. In fact, my Silver Jubilee as well. I feel like, you know, in our heads, you're like, oh, 100 watts to 50, 50 watts to 20, this is going to be the sweet spot. And what you realize is that uh, there's just something about the, I dare say, the mechanics of those amps that they just want to be loud. There's a reason why the Jim Marshall's called the father of loud. These amps are designed to be loud. Um, so he says he can't get it at a reasonable volume. Uh, he would even argue that he would have to go past uh, 3 to 10 to play with my band. Yeah, so he's saying three out of 10 to play with his band. So he's saying not only is it loud, but he doesn't even have to turn it up very much uh, for when he's jamming with his band. And they complain about it. Um, this is a great subject, a fantastic subject. Um, I've often said this because you have different genres of music. Metal is one of the few music types of music where I think there's an exception to this, this uh, rule. But I feel like 20 watt amplifiers 15 watt amplifiers for the most part in a rock a blues band you know a basic uh uh you know non-heavy metal genre band when i say heavy metal i mean because usually heavy metal it's designed by its nature to be ferocious and loud and it's supposed to encompass the room that you're in or the arena you're in the drummer is supposed to be beating the drum set like it still owes him 20 bucks from last thursday and um this is why it's hard to say a 20 watt amp is going to be a great metal amp. Uh, I've had uh, this recommendation before I even started my YouTube channel, obviously at the store, I would recommend customers uh, amplifiers. And that's what I started noticing a trend. You tell the, um, the blues guy to get yourself a uh, Eggnator tweaker 15 watt head and he would play it and go worked out great Phil thanks you give the metal guy a 15 watt head and he comes back and he's like dude it's just too thin it's just not big enough so I dare say 50 watts sometimes is not enough for some metal metal genre guys but uh, I digress uh, the uh, Marshall head he's talking about is still too loud for his band 
I feel like those amps are just loud, which is why I switched to my Freeman Dirty Shirley. It was a, I was trying to find that sweet spot. The amplifier just sounds great without ripping my face off or having to use any kind of attenuation. So, um, so uh, about it being too loud uh, with that said. Okay, so he's just going on. He says, I currently own a Mesa TC50 and I love it, but it doesn't quite do the Marshall sound. Yes, I absolutely agree. The Marshall sound is a sound. Here's, here's, a, here's on a, a sidebar, sidestep. The Marshall sound, like the Fender sound, is a sound that has been recorded so many times by so many musicians. Although musicians have made Marshall sound different, and they've made sound Fender sound different from each other. It's a sound that's ingrained in us. It's a it's mom's cooking, if you will. It's like you know the taste of it the second you do. You know, you're like this isn't how mom made it. Is a feeling we all can relate to. You're just sitting there and you're like, I know what mom's cooking tastes like. I know what a Marshall sounds like when you hear it. I know what a Telecaster sounds like when you hear it. I know what a Gibson sounds like uh, for the most part when you hear it. I know what a, a Fender amp sounds like when you hear it. So yes, I understand his... Uh, and So what I'm saying that is because there's a lot of Marshall-esque amplifiers. So that's what you have to decide sometimes when you're looking at amps. Do I need the Marshall sound? Okay, do I, mo- I need mom's recipe down to the secret, you know, ingredient, you know, whatever. Uh, so... Um, I'll tell you a funny thing. My mom's secret ingredient, uh, when she made spaghetti sauce, she put a little sugar in it um, uh, or sometimes a little ketchup in it if she didn't have sugar, which I don't know why she wouldn't have sugar, but a little sugar uh, to take the bitterness out. She wasn't trying to sweeten it. She just, if it was bitter, she'd put a little sugar in it. And and, uh, I found out later that uh, that's because my grandmother, who used to own an Italian restaurant, uh, used to use really ripened tomatoes so that so they wouldn't have that uh, acid like bitter taste and so uh, that's the trick but if they got uh, tomatoes shipped in for the restaurant and they weren't ripe enough they would cheat by putting some sugar in it my point is <laughs> my point is is that the uh, the Marshall sound he's asking for he he's obviously after that Marshall sound and what I'm saying is is that you're not going to find an amp that's going to have that vibe you're going to have an amp you're going to find amps that are Marshall like and maybe different or better like I said I like the Freedmans because they're like Marshalls if Marshall was the company it was 30 years ago I think it would have turned into a Freedman amp. Uh, I think that's where we wanted, right? I'm not saying Marshall amps before that are wrong. They're great. They should keep making them. What I'm saying is Marshall stopped innovating and caring the, probably the second Jim Marshall died, but most likely before that. Um, I had a friend, I'm going on a real tangent for this question. I had a friend, I still have a friend, I should say, and he was a, a, uh, a, a employee of the sales for Marshall. And um, he told me this once um, in passing, probably over a beer and when we were probably a little bit more loose-lipped than we normally would be with each other. Um, he said, when Jim dies, uh, the company's going to go to crap because Victoria Marshall does not care. And um, if you guys don't know who Victoria is, that's a daughter. JVM amps is Jim Victoria Marshall. That's what it stands for. So you can think of that amp. Um, and it's funny that he said that. Nothing nothing computed, no reason to share that with you uh, at that time, you know, any anybody. But... 
Jim did pass away. And if you look back, it's like the vintage modern and the JVM with the last of the series, the last of the good amps. And then since then, it's just been repackage after repackage of the stuff they've already done. Even the mini heads, which are a smart move, it's just finally them acknowledging like, okay, the market wants these mini amplifiers, but they really didn't do anything to, 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 to advance the, you know, where's the new Marshall amp? Where's the new sound? right there isn't one jvm's the last marshall and actually if you think about that think about this the jvm although i think it's a fantastic amp it's probably one of my favorite marshalls one of the things about it that makes me kind of chuckle sometimes is it's a you know a multi-channel amp that really is good at sounding like a bunch of other amps including marshall's so it's not even a new sound for the most part for the most part because like i said i really do like the jvm uh so uh, he's going on. He says, my favorite features is having a master volume that effectively acts like an attenuator. Of course, same but different. I understand where he's going with this, right? He's able to turn the gain up and turn the volume down. That's what he's getting at. So now he's considering the DSL-40CR, uh, but I have concerns about the tone and the fact that it's made in Vietnam. Yeah, you know, this is so funny, right? We're the only industry probably left that gets to talk like this because <laughs> it seems like such a weird thing to say, you know. Um, but uh, it says, I know that most get uh, overloaded with... Qu oh, I know you get mostly overloaded with questions, but I would appreciate a feedback recommendation also if there's another amp. Uh, and then he says, uh, to, that might work for him. Please let me know, i.e. I should hold out for the JVM or the DSL or Friedman something else. Um, okay. And so he's giving me the last piece of information. He's saying, lastly, another unrelated, uh, question. I have a wide body 112 V30 loaded cab and I love it for home and live. Am I missing out, uh, on the tone by not playing through a 412, even if it didn't want to, uh, even if I didn't want what, even if I didn't want y'all to practice, even if I didn't want to y'all it oh i think he means hall it's hall but it says y-a-l-l hall it's a practice um so no uh well 412s are great but man we can't all have a 412 everywhere we go i mean there's just a realistic world uh so i think a 112 v30 wide body cabinet is a great cabinet you're i don't think you're missing out on anything you're saving a bad back i guess uh, i like 412s but i don't drag them my compromise is i use a 212 mini cabinet that looks like a 412 that's why i have a couple of them they're lighter. They fit uh, in the cab of the truck. I don't even have to put it in the back of the truck, or you can put. So that means you can put it in the trunk of a car. That's a nice compromise. But no, the one twelve is fine. Back to your question about uh, the other Marshalls. Um, I ended up giving up on the Marshall. So so what happened was I got the uh, the uh, Silver Jubilee. It was cool. I got the um, uh, the the JC hundred Mini head. That was cool. But again, I feel like I really had to turn them up to get something out of it and both seem to be missing the bass response that i loved from the bigger heads which is uh funny because they could probably compensate that and somehow and they didn't the uh dsl stuff made in vietnam uh i like it but it's a different animal so believe it or not i would actually now going back you know if i was out purchasing the marshals i might pick up the dsl and say that's the amp i go to now however it's a different animal. It's a JCM 2000 uh, product uh, amplifier type. So to me, it's a different sound altogether. So 
I guess my answer is you can go with that, but it's you're going after a different Marshall sound, right? Uh, it's so to me the 800 versus the DSL 2000 is is a sound a J- JCM 2000 sound is a totally different sound. So, uh, but I mean now going back with hindsight, I would probably pick the DSL. Uh, made in Vietnam. You know what's great? Here's the thing. I understand the issue because uh, it's uh, really specifically with Vietnam. They really have not proven themselves in a technology realm of building equipment. Uh, although they seem, and we have tons of lots, tons of lots of, we have lots of equipment that we're buying from Vietnam and we don't seem to be having a lot of issues, but I've had some issues with companies that w- went to Vietnam, like Randall and, uh, Ampeg had tons of defective product was not good. That being said, they are warrantied and, uh, they are a considerable lot less money. So I don't think that's a concern. Um, the, the reason I point that out is Ampeg, when they went from America to Vietnam, they didn't change the prices. I uh, On a protest, we stopped doing business with Ampeg, like a lot of dealers. Um, not because um, they went to Vietnam. We understand the economics of the world, you know, moving your manufacturing around. I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, that, of course, that issue was even worse because Loud, the company at that time that owns Ampeg, keep in mind, Loud does not own Ampeg anymore. Now it's owned by Yamaha. It was sold off, obviously, because Loud was incompetent, couldn't run that company. Other than into the ground, they had Crate, which at that time was viable for uh, economy amps, and they ran that into the ground. They let Line 6 dominate the market, even though they had control of it for that size market for a long time. Um, But the Ampeg thing was really disgusting because it was like, hey, let's take $1,500 Ampeg heads, move them from America to Vietnam, and we won't change the price. We'll just hoard the cash because the consumer won't care. And the consumer extremely <laughs> voted uh, with their pocketbook that they cared. Uh, no one was interested. So what I'm saying is if Marshall was selling the $1,500 made in uh, the Britain or UK, sorry, made in UK, uh, JCM 100, and then selling the DSL made in, uh, in Vietnam for uh, the same price, I would say, oh, yeah, the Vietnam would concern me. But the fact that it's $600, less than half the price. So, well, actually, I think isn't the Marshall 1200 bucks? It's half. Either way you look at it, it's half. So half. Half made for Vietnam seems like a fair trade. Your your concerns of quality are, you know, they're, they're cutting the price in half. So I, I can't imagine the quality should be should, should be the same. It might actually be. Because the sad thing is that made in UK amp is probably all made in vietnam or china parts anyways okay that all being said what do i think i think you should get a freedman <laughs> and, a, and a jvm if they ever make a smaller jvm uh the jvm 50 watt head is fantastic though something like that but it's a heavy it's a heavy animal the freedman the if you're gonna if you want the jcm 800 sound get the freedman uh pt20 right if you want the the plexi sound get the uh the dirty shirley and if you want the um uh, just a cool Marshall-esque kind of vibe. Get the Runt 20. When I say that, if you want those kind of vibing, classic rock, cool amplifiers that have great tone and they're reliable and they're built fantastic, get them. They're 1500 bucks. They're made in USA. Uh, Dave Freeman signs the chassis of every single amp. He tests them. He actually plugs them in and tests them all. Okay, I, uh, May not sound like a big deal. Maybe it's not. But... Um, my point is, uh, very good stuff. However, what they can't do is if you really have to have the Marshall sound, the actual kind of that, that tone, the Freedmans are different. They're just Marshall-esque. So 
as I pause to drink some coffee. This is the type of emails I get, everyone. So there's Chris. There's his answer. So, uh, okay, hold on a second. Hold on. As I click around, um, let's uh, let's uh, let's read some more. This feels like a different vibe. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, hey, Phil. This is from somebody's sign-on. I can't even make sense of it. Our harshnishnicker uslfreight.com <laughs> says, ah, but his name's Richard, and he goes by Rick. See, that's in the uh, email. That's good. Says, can you do a 12 AT7 tube swat, which I think you mean swap. I know how we all type now. Swap on a Fender Twin. Also, is this mod unique to smaller amps like the Blues Deluxe? I'd uh, just like to try it out. I don't want to mess with a uh, mess up a $1,400 twin amp. So the answer to that, uh, Rick, is uh, yes, you can use a 12 AT7. You can also use a 12 AU7. Uh, what he's talking about is I did a video a while back where... I showed if you put a 12 AT7, which is different than the 12 AX7, in the V1, the first position of the Hot Rod Deluxe or the DeVille, it would tame the distortion channel a little bit, take some of the fizz out, but more mostly what it would do is it would uh, cause the amp to almost sound like attenuated. In other words, you have to turn the volume to up a little bit more to get the same. Now, also, that amp, that version of that amp had a linear pot. The new ones have a tapered pot which helps that situation a little bit but the more importantly the reason i did that was because one of my favorite hot rod deluxe is actually my favorite hot rod deluxe is the george benson version which has the 12 at uh, 7 in the v1 spot the answer to your question rick is yes absolutely can do that it wouldn't hurt anything you're not hurting the amp uh you can use the 12 at or 12 au 7 you know just turn the amp off unplug them they're like uh, the preamp tubes are like light bulbs for the most part you know, all that they can do is pretty much burn your fingertips if um, if you don't pay attention. Uh, so, you know, be cautious of that. But there's nothing like the power tubes where you have to worry about biasing and all kinds of other stuff going on. And uh, no, you won't hurt the amp. And you can plug one in, play it for a little bit, see how it goes. And so, the uh, it's funny. Uh, this is something you see if, if you, some of you guys watch our, the channel and, of course, the, the podcast. You work at music stores. A lot of people who work at music stores will know this. A lot of times you take amps on trades and then you uh, you find out that people have put the tubes all in the weird spots and they move things around. People do weird things. Guys mod their amps. I've, I've seen it so many times. Guys have taken their amps, pulled all the tubes out, put them back because they're not in the right so spots. The amp doesn't sound the way they like, they remember or they like anymore and then they trade it in. And then uh, what's so you swap them back and you fix it. Or they have a bad tube and they, you know, and the amp doesn't sound right and you fix that. But what it's going to say was a lot of us have experienced this where an amp sounds, I don't want to say better, but different than it normally sounds and you like it. And when you look in the back, you figure out that's exactly what happened. Somebody moved the tubes around and something happened. So, yeah, you can do that. This, everyone, is what I do some days. I just get up and read emails. So hopefully you enjoy this. All right, what else do we got? This is a question from another Chris because everybody's name's Chris. <laughs> apparently and uh, it's about a pickups and he says hey i was just wondering if you still if you still things like pickups this is tough chris all right uh, uh let me let me banter through this so you guys know this isn't me i don't have a learning disability i literally just read these comments and emails but i have to decipher as we're typing them 
especially casual ones like this. No one's really proofreading this stuff. It says, hey, Phil, I was just wondering if you still, I'm going to say do things. He's missing the word do. Do things like pick up installations and setups. And if so, how much uh, might you charge uh, for that? Um, or if you know anyone in the Phoenix Mesa Chandler area, that would do, it would be go, good to go to. The pickups are the Fishman Fluence, Case uh, SE, humbuckers being put in a Schecter CR6. Tried doing it myself, but I don't have much experience with active systems and I can't seem to get to get them to work. Thanks uh, in advance for your time. So the answer is yes. However, because of COVID-19, I'm not doing repairs. I finished all the repairs for the customers. Currently, a slow week for me right now is probably about six guitars, maybe five. So um, that's what I would do in a normal week. So one a day through a Monday, Friday week. Keep in mind doing everything else I'm doing as well too. And that's a slow week. Um, a busy week would be, I don't know. Oh, I'm trying to think. It's usually when somebody brings me like eight guitars at a shot. So I'll have eight, and then typically I'll have the normal four or five that I got. Uh, so, you know what I mean? So you figure that's 13, and then somebody will, you know, bring a couple more. So I'd say about 20, 20 guitars in a week. So how does that work? About four a day. So, yeah. So 20 guitars is about a, a, a peak week for me now. Four or five is a slow week. And then so the average is probably, like I said, sitting in between that. Uh, so I have about a dozen guitars a week. That sounds about right. A little bit more than, uh, you know, about two a day is what I'm doing. Um, but uh, COVID uh, messes that up. <laughs> Excuse me. Then I cough. <laughs> um, those of you guys watched the live show, if you saw yesterday's live show, you know what, what happened. I burned, I guess it's my esophagus. This is the dumbest thing ever. My wife made dinner the other night. I'm telling the story twice, but I probably need to tell this for a little while until this is better. Um, normally, when you have dinner, you get something to drink, like water, right? Get a glass of water. I didn't get anything to drink. I don't know what I was thinking. And she didn't say try this, which would have been her fault. She had food, and uh, she she had and she, she basically handed me the plate. And then I went to try it, not thinking about the fact she just literally pulled it out of the oven. It was out of the oven, which is worse. And so um, I took a bite of it, and it was so hot that I should have spat it, spat it out. Spit it out? Spat it out? I spat it out. And I should have spit it out, and I didn't. <laughs> and it was burning my mouth, so I swallowed. It was a weird, you know, it's that, it's that response where your body and your mind just does something. And it just because you got to do something, even though this was the wrong decision. And it was that thing, if you've ever experienced this, where I felt it burning as it went down my, uh, I guess it's your esophagus. <laughs> Not very good at the medical stuff. And um, and she's like looking at me. She's like, are you okay? And I am just, I my face was just sheer pain. And... I, and I'm doing the math in my head. Like if I go get the glass of water now and I start drinking now, is it even going to matter? Cause by, you know, by the time it's all over. So I finally got a glass of water and, uh, um, actually I think she got one of the kids to get me a glass of water and I sipped the water and, um, I thought everything's fine. And then I could feel it. It was all rough and burnt. And so it's making me do this little cough. <laughs> So it's the only one I'm talking a lot. And so, and to be honest with you, it was only like three days ago. So I'm not too concerned yet. Two, three days. 
All right. Uh, so to answer Chris's question is, yes, I do repairs, just not right now because of COVID. And so, yes, that's how it works. Do, um, new customers to me work simple. They usually contact me through the Know Your Gear, Ask Know Your Gear. Um, a lot of my customers, believe it or not, are referrals from the other customers I already have. And they usually have my phone number and they just text or call me. So that's how that works. The plan is to open a repair shop so I don't have to do it out of my personal shop. Um, this is something I don't want to do. Uh, and when I say don't, I means I want to do it. I wanted to work with a company, but what I found is uh, perceptions. The perception of the music stores that I work with, they perceive my YouTube uh, persona as being bigger than I think it really is and definitely bigger than it is. And so what I mean by that is I find that I'm constantly dealing with the issue of they're going to try to use that as some kind of... Uh, I sigh it's um let me put it this way I tried this with a store I thought I trusted and what happened was I would pick up guitars on Thursdays so I thought this is great right I'll pick up their guitars on Thursdays and I'll drop them off on Thursdays so you get your guitar back in one week it's guaranteed and I had slots so you sign up and uh and the reason I had slots is because uh, it was guaranteed no matter what the repair was I would have it flip it in one week which is tough right even I mean somebody that has a refret yeah that means I have to get to it um and, um, but, you know, if obviously if I took in too many guitars, the, the, I wouldn't take the slots. What I found out was the guy that owned the store, he was, what he was doing was people coming in. They're like, this is where I drop off for Phil. And he's like, yeah, that he would do some of the repairs. Yep. You're hearing this right. And, um, pocket the money, the, the, and, uh, which, uh, of course, uh, the good news is he didn't do anything wrong to anybody's guitars. So there's no, like... I can't believe Phil did this. That's not how I found out. How I found out was I was talking to a friend and uh, the guy messed up. He didn't know this person was a friend of mine. And so when he dropped off, he actually called me and said, this doesn't feel like your normal work. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's because I didn't touch your guitar, buddy. What are you talking about? And that's how that happened. So to get back to this uh, repair shop, I'm trying to go into business with a friend. So, you know, what I've been trying to do is I have a couple friends that are repair uh, luthiers and they are great guys and um, I'm trying to partner with them. That's uh, so, Chris, soon I'll have that worked out. We'll do that. Uh, that'll be local if you're local. And um, and and once this slows down, I'll take repairs again. I just don't want to. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put any of my family at risk. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm working twice as much now that COVID's happening. The, uh, the rule for a recession, if you guys don't know, is work twice as hard to make less money. Um, that's what I learned the last one. I hope that's not disappointing to hear that, guys. But I think that's in, uh, inspiring because um, I can tell you last month I worked way more than I normally work and I made less money. But that's just how this goes. And then there'll be a boom market and you'll make more, you know. As I And then I, I apologize for drinking the coffee. As I tell you guys how I burnt my throat, and they're like, oh, I'm drinking hot coffee. Actually, it's not that hot. So there you go. Brian. Brian sent an email. He says, hey, Phil. Okay. I am a viewer from another part of the world. This is intriguing already. I play guitar, and I love your videos because I have little technical knowledge. Great. That's what I'm uh, trying to appeal to is the players that want stuff kind of dumbed down a little bit so that we can understand it. That's why I love it when I make a quick video on how to do something and then guys that watch it just put all these critiques about, well, you could do this, you can do that. I'm like, yeah, 
If I made that video, then no one would understand it. About electrical, ele about electrical, about electrical guitars, and you offer a great simple explanation. See, I'm bragging about myself, which is dumb, and then he's doing it for me. I should just let him talk. Thank you for that. Thank you, Brian, for uh, for saying those nice things. I have a question for you, and I would like to hear your opinion. I have a 2008 Epiphone Les Paul Custom, and I would like to change the pickups. Now there are two issues with that. All right, let's walk through his issues, guys. I can't find what's the stock pickup inside, and there are lots of different uh, posing information. Welcome to the internet, Brian. <laughs> Online. So I am just not sure. I don't have the owner's manual. You don't need it. That's good news. Uh, do you know which pickups are installed in a 2008 Les Paul Customs or where I can find uh, the relevant information? I only know that I don't have a push-pull coil split or anything like that just standard les paul configuration brian i i do have information for you so i have the somnium impossible guitar the guitar if you guys seen the videos where i can change out pickups this guitar has taught me so much and when i say taught me so much you know you could read things i do that you can watch instructional videos of course you can you know you can go to classes there's all kinds of ways to learn but experience to me has always been very a solid you know kind of a solid way to get information because it's an experience okay um this is why i'm saying this the guitar that i'm experiencing right now has taught me so much about pickups that i would never really think about before so there's a couple things i've learned from this guitar that will help your help you brian first Let's talk about your guitar. I have a video on YouTube that you can check out. Uh, it's called um, Don't Buy Pickups Until You See This Video. <laughs> a little clickbaity, but I was going for that because of this situation. I was hoping you'd go, hey, before I buy pickups, I should do this, watch this video. Uh, in that video, I show you how you take a multimeter and you can check uh, what the uh, basically the output or the resistance of your pickups. Now, this is a guideline. Okay, there's all kinds of arguments. When we're talking about the beginning of this video about people going, hey, that's not how you actually figure out. You need to know a lot more about a pickup than just what that measurement is. I understand that. But that is a great first step measurement to get a general idea of what's in your guitar. So it'll tell you if they're a little hotter than normal. My experience with cheap guitars, pickups, I understand your Epiphone uh, Les Paul Customs is not a cheap guitar, but I, I guess when I say cheap guitars, I'm going to say import guitars. Let's just start with there. Import guitars as a whole, pickups tend to be hot. I don't know why that is. I think it's because it's easier to make a pickup sound good when it is wound a little hotter, right? There's a lot of nuances that get left out, little high frequencies, little subtle things in tone that gets lost when you make a pickup with a lower lower winds is what I've noticed and what I've learned winding pickups myself. Um, and so the magic to a great pickup is really in trying to figure out where in the ear to do it with the lesser winds to get that spot. So what I'm trying to tell you is check that. I would definitely check that. But here's what I would tell you. That's a good baseline. So you go, okay, this is the output of those pickups. Now you know if they're hot or they're uh, cold. I'm going to say cold, but low output. We want to know if they're high output or low output. Um, what's great for, for this is that, generally speaking, DiMaggio and Seymour Duncan and Bare Knuckle and all those guys love to categorize their pickups in vintage, which is lower output, medium output, and high output, right? So if you, you, can't, you can do a little bit of research and get a long way. If you check out your uh, pickups in your Epiphone and you go, okay, these are putting out, let's say, 
let's say they're reading, uh, well, depends on the manufacturer. We'll go with Seymour Duncan. Seymour Duncan, let's say it's like uh, they're rel well, uh, rating like 12K, right? Um, you'll go on Seymour Duncan's website and you don't like them because they're pushing your amp and they're making them break up. Um, you can go on Seymour Duncan's website and look for something a little lower than that number. That gives you an idea. Uh, DiMaggio uses milliamps, which is a little tricky too, but that's another way you can rate this too. But what it's going to tell you was, this is the important part of the things I've learned with the Somnium guitar. First thing you want to do with the pickup is identify what it is that you don't like about the pickup. So many players play a guitar and it's an emotional response. I bought a guitar for $300 and the pickups are no good. I need to swap them. That's your emotional response. It's like your brain says... <laughs> Let me put it this way. It would be like if I went to a restaurant and I bought a steak dinner and they said it was it was $5.99. And I go, well, then definitely grab me the A1 steak sauce because if you're making a steak for six bucks, I need steak sauce. But I don't, I don't take a bite first. That would be really silly, right? You want to take a bite first. So that's what I'm saying with your pickups. First, identify what it is that you don't like about the pickups. Are they muddy? When you strum chords, does there's too much bass frequency. Muddiness usually means that the bass side of the pickup, the bass frequencies, are so dominant that they're ringing out and that you can't hear the clarity of the high end. I don't know if you guys know that. It's right. Think about a, 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 a beautiful pickup is a beautiful EQ setting, right? We've all experienced this with an amplifier, right? The amplifier's EQ setting is perfect. It's just like when you hear a stereo sometimes and you're listening to a song and the song is EQ'd perfectly, right? Uh, or our good concert. I once went, I saw Linkin Park live once and the EQing of the concert was so horrible because they had everything just thrown in the bass system. So, um, and it was just, you know, it was hard to hear the music. It was just all low end frequencies. That being said, back to the pickup. So here's what I've learned. A couple things. First of all, if you think your pickup's a little too aggressive, in other words, it's just pushing the amp too hard, lower the pickups, right? Not because I'm telling you not to buy a pickup. I'm telling you that to lower the pickups and say, okay, did that change what you were not liking about the pickups? Even 1%. If it did, then that tells you, okay, this is the type of pickup I need to be going for is a pickup that has a little bit less aggressive uh, output, right? And so then let's say the opposite. Let's say it's just too, you know, weak. Raise it. Even past the point where, you know, we know you don't want to raise it and you're going to uh, maybe mess with the, uh, the intonation of the guitar. Just do it. Just try to find the sweet spot. Try to find the frequency which you're like you're like you like. So identify the output of the pickup just to get a general guideline. Mess with the pickup heights. Uh, even to uh, toggle them. I don't toggle them. Tilt them. I'm sorry, guys. In other words, lower the bass side, raise the treble side, raise the bass side, lower the treble side. They don't have to be perfectly flat. In fact, pickups shouldn't be perfectly flat. You should be adjusting them, you know, accordingly to your to your taste, like a microphone. You know, putting the microphone next to a speaker or next to somebody's uh, mouth. You want to find the sweet spot, right? Find the sweet spot. Then the thing I t I'm going to tell you guys, this is uh, cool for a little uh, bonus. I'll, I'll, I should do a video on this. This is what I learned uh, as I've been kind of holding you guys at bay, not telling you the answer to the Somni guitar. I learned that the most important piece of gear to everyone for amplifiers and for pickups is an EQ pedal. Here's what I mean by that. What I learned is if you plug your guitar into an EQ pedal and plug it into an amplifier that you like, and let's say you don't like the pickups, well, like the Boss GE7 EQ, what's great is set it what I call flat, okay? What I call flat. I just invented the uh, the flat EQ setting, so you guys know. You just watch that in real time. 
Okay, so anyways, set the EQ flat. In other words, try to set the volume on the EQ so that when you turn the pedal on and off, nothing happens, right? That's what you want. Set the EQ so that when you turn the pedal on, turn the pedal off, you hear no difference in sound, okay? That's your pickups. Now what you can do is use the level control on the EQ pedal, raise it slightly or lower it so that you're cutting the output of the, of the signal that's getting to the amp or you're uh, increasing the output of the signal that gets to the amp. And that will actually mimic the higher and lower wound pickups. Then once you figure out like, oh, I like it with a little bit more, I like this pickup a little bit more aggressive or I like this pickup a little reduced. Now use the EQ control, the seven band EQ, to slowly, just move them slowly. Don't be like a toddler and slamming these <laughs> sliders up and down. Go in very small increments, very small, like I said, and use your ears, not your eyes. Don't use your eyes to set an EQ pedal, right? Oh, and move the sliders and that looks about right. Use your ears. If you have to blindfold yourself, blindfold yourself. Strum a chord. If you have a looping pedal, loop something through it. And then slowly set the EQ until you find a more pleasant sound than what you have now. And then now what's great is, I can tell you now that when you go online and look at pickups, your, your favorite brand, when you're looking at the information, don't read their copy. If you guys know what copy is, it's their marketing crap. Hey, this pickup is great for metal, but country players love how crisp the highs are, but jazz players love how it, I mean, they're just every, they're gonna tell you in every description how their pickup's great for everybody. Go to the specifications of the pickup and, it, and look at that and look at for something that looks like what you've mimicked. In other words, if your sliders are, your level is a little high and your bass is a little low, because your EQ could, your, you could be reducing the bass on the pickup and increasing the highs on the pickup on the EQ, right? Now go look for that pickup. Somebody wound and made a pickup that kind of looks like that EQ pedal setting. And that's what I learned from the Somnium guitar. Swapping the pickups out in real time, using the EQ pedal, I was able to mimic a lot of things. There's more magic to it than that. You're not, so let me put it this way. If you have some pickups like he does, you don't love them, you use the EQ pedal. You can get, you can get 50% there, you'll be happy. You don't even need to buy the new pickup, <laughs> right? Uh, I've been mimicking it with the guitar too to see. So it's been really interesting. Now, that being said, I'd like to point out, this is where, uh, like I said, when I talk about amps, you can do this with amps too, by the way. Uh, but what I was gonna say was, when you think about impulse responses for speakers, when you think about these pedals now that now simulate uh, pickups, it's all just EQ settings. That's what they're all up to. They're up to e boosting and reducing signal and adding EQ, either reducing or uh, adding frequencies uh, to this to the signal. So that's the answer to your question. Um, so th I hope that helps. And uh, what's great about that is uh, the know your gear concept was the idea that you. You don't read the specifications in a manual. You experience things. That's why I was like, you know, that was the whole thing. Just, you know, use stuff and then get a sense of it. So hopefully that's, uh, that finds, that makes a lot of sense. Let's do another one, right? What else do we got? Let's see. Um, is this one going to be any good? We'll read this one. <laughs> this one is from E, literally the letter E, brought to you by the letter E. It even says at the end of the email, thanks, E, capital E. So, it says, hi, Phil. You ever come across any straight pull tunematic guitars that have only two different 
nut saddles slot sizes. Similar to how a roller bridge only used two different roller saddles rather than six. Maybe you can experiment, can do an experimental video about such things. I haven't experienced that. Um, have I ever come across a straight pull tunematic guitars? They only have two different nut saddle slot sizes. Um, so what I'm thinking he's talking about is the cuts into the saddles themselves, right? And most of those saddles are cut in the shape of a V. I'm just doing this off again. I'm not looking at any pictures right now. Most of them are cut in the shape of a V so that the string finds its right spot as it goes into that slot. So obviously a smaller string goes all the way to the bottom of it and a bigger string sits more towards the top of the V, right? So, um, so different sizes, a lot of them are one size fits all, right? If I were thinking about the same thing, if I'm talking about tunematic uh, bridge, um, I'm thinking the, uh, the the saddles are one size fits all the there might be some small variances but when you get a set of six saddles they're all the same saddle there's not different saddles so however there are there are uh companies that do cut the saddles uh specifically when they install theirs into their guitars that's not common anymore i don't see that too much but so there you go uh e the answer to your question is uh, not only do i not see two different sizes i only see one for the most part there you go. All right. This is good. 40 minutes. Should we call it? Is there anything else? Maybe we'll talk about non-questions. I'm getting a little... To give you guys an idea. So I answered one, two, three, four, five questions. 40 minutes. Of course, I'm, ta I'm talking and stuff and elaborating, but you guys can see why it's hard to get through hundreds of emails a week. <laughs> you just can't do it. Can't do it. Um, let's go over... Let's do something else. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, you know what would be good to talk about is I have a couple couple things. But before I do, I want to make sure. Hold on. Okay. This is what I'm looking for. Give me a second. There was some stuff that happened I thought was kind of interesting. Um, a couple things to talk about that I thought were informational stuff. This is non-question stuff, so it's just me. I don't have to think of them right now. A couple things that made me chuckle. Uh, I don't know if you guys know there was a copyright battle over Dimebag Daryl's iconic uh, The Dean from Hell guitars. Uh, Buddy Blaze uh, had claimed that Dean stole that famous design. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of this, you know, trademark and copyright fighting in the industry. It's real common in every industry, by the way, guys. Wherever there's... There's business and lawyers. There's lawsuits. Um, and so he lost. Uh, the courts decided that he basically waited too long to file the uh, the lawsuit. This is the second time he sued Dean uh, over this uh, dime bag stuff and lost. So interesting. You know what I mean? It's just funny that you keep seeing this stuff and it makes you wonder, you know, I feel like, I feel like, it feels like, I don't know for a fact, it feels like, the majority of the lawsuits brought upon companies in this industry are lost. That maybe that's typical with all lawsuits, but man, it just doesn't feel feel like a smart move to sue anyone anymore in this industry because everything's been so copied to death, right? It's 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 like music in general, right? The, there's only so many chords and notes, and the lawsuits are getting tricky. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was uh, something made me laugh, and I thought I'd share with you. Guitar World <laughs> shared this article. 
and it was the best lockdown guitar deals. So basically like, hey, you're stuck at home and these are the best deals. And it said, you can get these great deals. And it's like from Guitar Center, Sweetwater, Pro Audio Star, Musician Friend. I was like, you're advertisers. <laughs> it just made me laugh, right? Um, I know it's a guitar magazine. We Nobody's really holding them to a standard uh, that says, oh, you know, hey, maybe you should think about the, the readers. Um, but it's just funny to me uh, right now. The best deals right now probably are on Reverb through the small mom and pop networks. Um, the big guys are going to give you a discount right now because the market's a little tough because obviously we're all stuck at home. But, uh, you know, the real deals are going to be from the the stores that really need that capital to, to churn. They need that money. So it was funny. There was no mention of that. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was funny. On that note, I hope you guys had a great experience with this podcast. A little different. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I uh, I love doing this. This is actually uh, better. I hate being on camera. And uh, so doing this as a non-camera podcast, it was kind of cool. I get to drink my coffee. Uh, ironically, just so you guys know, I'm still wearing a Know Your Gear shirt right now, which is funny because I'm not on camera, but I always wear the shirts wherever um, I'm going to be on camera. I don't know why. Probably for marketing. Um, but on that note, I want to thank you guys so much for supporting what I do. If you're not a subscriber of my YouTube channel, please check it out. It's uh, it's great. The cost is awesome. It's free to subscribe. In fact, I think you can subscribe and then not even watch any more videos if you'd like, whatever you choose to do. Also, if you want to join my Patreon system, you can join Patreon. It's like $5 a month, and I do one. I try to do two. Uh, one QA, live QA, but of course, the number is much lower. It's always like 20 to 40 people, and I, I answer 90, seriously 90-something percent of the questions, even if it takes like the last one was three hours long. Um, and then you can watch the rebroadcast of that later. That's a service. Plus, I release uh, early videos to you guys as well, and sometimes bonus videos, longer videos, uh, and I'm trying to increase the service. So two things. One, if you're not a patron member and you think you want to do so, it's a great way to support the channel. Uh, two, if you are a patron member and you're enjoying those services, please keep in mind that if you have suggestions for me to improve those services, I'm always looking to do that because it's your hard earned money that you're giving to me. And I'm trying to give you something back. That's really cool because you make uh, the patrons, uh, make it possible that I don't have to uh, take crap from companies, right? If I was out there uh, right now trying to make money off the companies, um, they would definitely have a larger say in what I do and what I think and how I talk, um, which which for me would mean I wouldn't do YouTube. So that's why uh, patrons know this. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for them. Uh, but the great thing is if you can't do that, keep in mind, all this stuff doesn't cost anything. Listening to the podcast, listening to the YouTube channel, uh, it's free. And, uh, even though it's free, I still get paid for it. So, cause of commercials and stuff. So, so, uh, please, please support that way. That's great. And then also don't forget I have merch and, um, you can do that. And the other thing is if you do buy a know your gear shirt, uh, I love it when you guys take pictures, like I said, even if it's, you're not wearing it. Some of you guys are camera shy. I understand, you know, um, uh, doing YouTube. I can tell you the last thing uh, I ever thought I would do is be on a camera. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because no one understands this that knows me. Uh, they know, uh, I, I, my wife probably has three photos of me. <laughs> so that'll tell you how much I don't enjoy uh, video and cameras. But uh, that being said, so I understand I'm saying, hey, if, you, if you're proud and you want to put your shirt on and do something cool, do that. If you want to be a little bit uh, like me and a little shyer, 
uh, that's fine. But put it on, you know, do something with it. Do something funny with it. Like, send it to me. It's great. I like putting them in the videos. It makes me feel like the videos are more than just, you know, me talking to uh, strangers. It feels like a community. And that feels good. Feels like feels like something's happening. On that note, I'm going to let you all go. And, of course, as always, I want to thank you so much for your time. Till the next time, know your gear.